1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and
0: Ken. Episode number 292, recorded October 14th, 2018. And today we're finishing off Star Trek Through the Mirror. And then we're doing a random gold key at the end. Issue number 30 of Gold Key and Through the Mirror 4 and 5, right?
1: Yes, exactly. 4 and 5 wraps up a really interesting Mirror Universe story, of course. And then there's Gold Key.
0: Yes, and then there's gold key. And then there's gold key. And I, I really enjoyed the uh, through the mirror thing. Yeah, I really like this uh, this universe they've built, and I'm looking forward to the next miniseries.
1: Uh, yes, right. You you sent me a, a picture of the cover, so. Oh, that's cool. the,
0: that's the next next one. Oh, that
1: there's two more. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. And then there's yeah. the and there's the other one that's at least going to be a crossover between different Star Trek sub franchises.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 the 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 Q one. The Q one, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Q one comes out in 2019, I think, and it's going to be a crossover between all the Star Treks except for Enterprise and Discovery. Aww. I Poor know, Enterprise. Right? I mean,
1: Discovery I can understand, but uh, Enterprise? Uh But, I mean, but it's Q. Q can do anything. He could, yeah. But – the ones that are going to be included actually did happen in the same time period. I mean, there was overlap.
0: Except there. for the original series. Oh, that's right.
1: So why the, heck, why the heck can't they? Okay, it's probably too much in one one uh, story, yes, I guess.
0: nobody nobody likes Enterprise but me. I'm I like the only Enterprise.
1: one. I like Enterprise. If I had to rank them, it's kind of low. But I still liked it.
0: Right. Anyway. Okay. Hey, sh- should we find out what happened in the storyline through, through Through the, the mirror? mirror? Yes, exactly. Yeah, sure. I think this is a, a, a nod to Alice in Wonderland. Ah, okay. I'm kidding. I, I, I was, I'm pretty sure. I thought that that was pretty much a given. That's why I said it. Okay. Anyways, sorry. Stupid comment Alright, so uh, issue number 4 of Star Trek The Next Generation Through the Mirror Came out in May of 2018 Like all the rest uh, These came out weekly The writer was Scott Tipton and David Tipton The story A art was by Carlos Nito The story A colors was by Fran Gamboa The story B art is by J.K. Woodward Letters by Anne World Design Edit Sarah Gatos Editorial Assist by Chase Moratz. Production Design, Neil Utaki, And Publisher, Greg Goldstein. So uh, the first cover shows uh, the mirror universe of uh, Geordie and Crusher staring at the prime universe of Geordie and Crusher. This is by J.K. Woodward. The next cover is by Carlos Nito, and it shows a Mirror Universe Jordy holding a giant blaster rifle cannon thing. And then we have the Prime Jordy on the ground kind of cowering in front of his uh, doppelganger. Then the RIA cover is a photo of Riker. And then the last cover is by Peter McKinstry, and it shows the Mirror Data with his Borg eyeball kind of staring off to the to the right there. The uh, story picks up uh, shortly after the last issue where Picard is fearing that a order that he got from Admiral Paris is possibly a trap. So he's talking to Wesley, and Wesley uh, informs them that they're continuing to approach the Martorilus Array, even though... Picard feels like it might be a trap. Wesley informs the captain that the station is not answering any of their hails, and it seems that the array itself is causing some sensor jamming. He also points out that Starfleet records show that Admiral Paris should not have been anywhere near where the Admiral Paris that gave him the orders were coming from. Elsewhere on the Enterprise, Data and Riker discuss the possibility that the duplicates are now trying to steal the Enterprise. Riker uses the computer to locate Counselor Troy, and the computer informs him that she is both located in her quarters and also in Engineering. Suspecting that the one in Engineering is obviously the duplicate, the duo head off at top speed. In engineering, the mirror Troy, seen in her season one miniskirt, has just finished installing a program to simulate an antimatter leak. Shortly, the mirror Barclay arrives and the two beam away back to the array. They beam away just as Data and Riker arrive to watch the final transporter effect whisk them off. On the array, the mirror Troy informs Picard of her success. He then tells the group of mirror duplicates that. The Enterprise should soon be theirs, and that they were going to use the Array to transport the Prime Universe Enterprise into the Mirror Universe, and he's not going to stop there. He's going to now go throughout all of the multiverse and gather all of the Enterprise Ds. The crew shows their enthusiasm with some hearty fist bumps in the air. They now just have to wait for the Enterprise crew to abandon ship due to the false radiation leak. They watch the ship approach, and they wait. And they wait, and nothing happens. No panicked crewmen fleeing the ship. Mirror Picard then blames Troy. Mirror Troy then blames Barclay. Uh, Barclay then blames Troy, so uh, there's a lot of arguing there. They're arguing so much that they don't even hear as the Prime Universe crew beams over with their phasers drawn. Empty-handed, Mirror Picard gloats that this Picard does not have what it takes to kill them all. To
1: be continued. Okay, with Cliffhanger. And I think this is very cool. So we've got our little, uh, two little paths going here. All these little incursions from the evil Enterprise crew. And now finally they're brought together. And our folks have the upper hand because they figured out what was going on. And they've got the drop with their phasers drawn, mind you, on the, uh, the evil versions that don't appear to have weapons drawn. Nope, they're just staying in there. So they should have the drop on them, right? Yep, anyway, yep. That's what I'm yeah, seeing. it is
0: nice that they all lined up together, though. <laughs> so, uh, well,
1: oh, did they? Okay.
0: Yeah, and I that mean, one shot, they shows them all like perfect lines right down the middle. Right. Yeah, and some of them match
1: up, and some don't. So, I don't know. so Riker is across from Riker, and, and Picard's across from Picard. But then you have some other folk.
0: Yeah, then, then everybody's kind of mixed up. Exactly,
1: because you you got you got Worf. There is no Worf in the evil. And oh my God, that oh <laughs> that's Wesley. Oh my God. Yeah, that's first the front,
0: one. Yeah, who, who's he's across masked.
1: from Data? Oh man, he is he is buff, but he's across from <laughs> Data. So come on, give me a break.
0: Yeah, it doesn't – I'm glad they didn't bring Troy and everybody else down. Exactly. Because I was like, they should only bring down security staff, but they bring down data. So right. it's just data, the command crew, and then the rest of security, which is what it really should have all been. There's no reason oh, yeah, why yeah. real Picard and real Riker would be down there. Right? What? I mean, do, do you usually beam your leaders into the middle of well, a possible
1: no, but they have to do that,
0: SWAT on. team?
1: You have to do that. I mean, come on. No, you shouldn't. Well, Riker should. Because he is always the gung-ho guy that does things while he says, Picard, you've got to stay on the ship. Right. But come right. on, Picard's not going to stay on the ship.
0: Well, you've got to have the face-off between the two Picards.
1: Exactly. Uh, the completely bald one and the donut-haired one. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but it makes so much sense. They, I completely agree with you. They, they're kind of loaded up with security, as they should be. And, right. and you know, how about bringing some, some rifles? Come on. Although they really don't need it. I mean, pistols do fine. If they actually use them.
0: Right. Put it on wide beam. You really only need one. Boom. They're all gone.
1: Well, yeah. Wide beam or don't even bother with wide beam. They. I mean, they got the exact same number. That's very nice how they. Oh, no. They're not the exact same number. I think there's actually one more uh, good Picard, you know. Prime universe? On the Prime Universe, right.
0: Oh well. I,
1: I think that I must mean
0: that. somebody's gonna die in the next issue to show us that, <laughs> it, that they mean business. Maybe. Maybe. So um when Picard's telling the story, what'd you think about uh how everybody's like putting their fist up in the air and cheering uh mirror Picard on? Did you uh did you catch anything funny in that in that panel? No, I didn't. Now I'm going uh, back. And yeah, go to that panel. It is one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen. <laughs> it's on page 14? 11. 11.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, oh, that one. Okay. Oh, oh, with Riker. He must be talking about Riker.
0: <laughs> yeah, so for whatever reason, yeah. Yeah. Riker has his leg up on a box that's about waist level, so it's in a very awkward position oh, to completely. be. Oh, completely.
1: Completely, and he's just got his crotch out there. Hello. Yeah, like,
0: Let me yeah, expose
1: that... myself to you. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
0: Oh, it was but so that, funny. When I, when I was reading this, it was just like, oh, my God, that is so funny.
1: It is funny. Um, So Riker had two maneuvers, right?
0: Right, right. So
1: he would either swing his leg over the top of the chair and sit down, or he would have, like, the one leg up while he's, like talking to the person who's at the uh, navigation station or whatever.
0: Right. But it was like, never that high up.
1: No, no. But that's part of what makes it funny. This, that has right. to be an inside joke.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Good point.
0: Yeah, it, it that, that scene made it into the synopsis a few times, but uh, I had to take it out because it it kind of ruined the flow because it's just such a ridiculous picture. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but that would have been pretty funny. Uh, right. Uh, just calling out the humor of it, which is exactly what it was. Yeah, so so Picard is trying to go for every Enterprise. Huh. Yeah,
0: kinda, I kind of like that
1: idea. Oh, yeah. and Okay, so the picture is showing all these different Enterprises, and they've all got the Empire's logo.
0: Right, because he's taking them all.
1: Okay, okay. So this is post having them repainted. Very nice.
0: Right. And they add that uh, that dorsal gun at the bottom of it. Good well, point. Actually, no. Not all of them have it. Most not, of them have it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. Most of them do. Um, but many of them do not have the three nacelles.
0: I don't see As any of that fact, have three nacelles.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I guess that would be harder to add, wouldn't it?
0: But a rail gun, is you can just glue that on?
1: Well... It's easier than trying to work out a third nacelle, probably. Maybe that's what they were thinking. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so what would you think of the whole plan to have Barclay and Troy beam over and she just sets up a, a fake antimatter leak and then hoping that everybody runs out? That's the whole plan?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, it's a decent one, I think. Except that it did expose them to the possibility of being discovered, but they probably thought they were so clever they wouldn't be.
0: Right. But why not just use the gas stuff that that the Enterprise has that just knocks everybody out? Oh,
1: you could do that too?
0: Or beam them all off.
1: Uh, Assuming that they were able to disable all – well, beam – wait a minute. You're talking about beaming everybody on the ship off. Right. Why not? Well, that's a lot of transporters. And what do, do they have enough transporters on that array?
0: I don't know. They could have as many transporters as the writer wants. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's, isn't there like a 1,000 people on the Enterprise-D?
0: Right, something like that.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's possible, I suppose. That's big. You'd have to have a lot of transporters, though. And you'd have to do it all pretty quick because otherwise they'll put their shields up. Right. People are being transported up. Ray shields. Yeah, um, but isn't it okay? This is kind. This, I had this comment more in the next one, but I'll I'll mention it now. Isn't it handy that they had the device that was cobbled into the array, sitting in one specific place, uh, vulnerable to be taken out? Okay, I'll, I'll bring that up again in the next next one.
0: Uh, that's the when they destroy it, right? Exactly. But now they show it. They
1: show it in this. Well. I didn't say. Hey,
0: no, I'm saying just what I said. It. What I said was. A spoiler.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I really should have brought that up in the next one. Sorry. Um, so you
0: see it in this one?
1: Yeah, you see in this one. Uh, Picard's raising his hand up at it.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, there it is.
1: Yeah, but the whole idea of transporting an entire starship—that seems like that would be hard. So uh, Data's figuring out all kinds of stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. It's kind of. It's kind of weird because. I'm reading it and I'm like, oh yeah, this makes sense. The array could could cause it to breach over, just like the uh, the Excelsior was able to breach over. And then I'm like, oh wait, 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 that was a different continuity in a different comic book company <laughs> that <laughs> did the whole. The Excelsior came over from the the Mirror Universe. How'd they do it again? They just did it with uh, the trans warp thing, right? Somehow they were able to adjust the trans warp engines to to come over do you remember i don't remember
1: that now now hold it are you are you talking about the dc one okay because i was when you first started talking about that i thought you were talking about like defiant where it came across in Taws, and then they then they kind of use that in enterprise
0: but you're talking about
1: excelsior
0: yeah, I'm talking about Excelsior oh. in the DC Comics when oh, when the one. Mirror Universe crossed now, over. I
1: don't remember the details of that, but now that you're mentioning it, okay, I remember that. I, I kind of remember that uh, those right. issues now.
0: But that's what I was—that's what I was thinking when I was reading this. There, there was a part of me that was like, "Oh yeah, this matches what, what what we've already seen." And then I, then you know, obviously a second later, I'm like, "Oh wait, that was a different, different continuity, different publisher that that has nothing to do with this one." Right. But it, I guess it did allow me to, to buy it a little bit more than maybe you did, whereas I'm like, yeah,
1: this, this, this is how it would this happen. This fine. Yeah, this, this works.
0: <laughs> yeah, why didn't they do it earlier? We know that it works. Exactly.
1: It. What's, 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 what's taking so long?
0: Right. All right. Um, what else you got for this one?
1: Well, um, I thought it was interesting how Wesley figured out it wasn't Admiral Paris. Because of some checksum inconsistency, but his coordinates were different. That's better than the uniform. That would have been too easy. I mean, remember we were theorizing right, right. about yep. maybe the uniform wasn't right in earlier issues. Um, but okay. I mean, even though they were they were throwing in some computer techno babble about checksum inconsistencies, <laughs> um, at least. At least it's a little – that seems like a little better way for Wesley to figure it out. I mean the fact that he was actually in a different place than where the transmission came from. So that, that's a little more sophisticated at least, a little right. harder to figure out. Um, and makes the, uh, the evil Picard look a little bit less of a doofus. So.
0: Although he did send Troy over there in, in a season one outfit. <laughs> exactly.
1: And, and Broccoli.
0: Right. I do like how when they beam over, the Picard, evil Picard gives them enough time to change out of those uniforms back into their mirror universe uniforms. Exactly. How nice of you. How good of you to do that. He's a good guy. He's not all bad. No. Even though he has the goatee, he's not all bad.
1: Well, and isn't that the interesting part? I think you had mentioned this in previous issues. He's Picard's evil, but... He's got reasons for doing what he's doing, you know, saving the empire and all that kind of stuff. So even though he is evil, he's still kind of his motivations are not all just a traditional, you know, evil laughter. Cue the evil laughter villain. Right. I mean, he's got some some motivations that make sense based on you know where he was born and everything. So. So uh, I definitely had written down something about uh, Riker's high foot on the box.
0: Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: Definitely in my comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. The Mortalis Array in this issue reminded me a lot of the Array that was in Generations. Oh, right, yeah. That, that the Klingons attacked.
0: Right. Um, I was going to ask you, is, is, is this established in an, in, in an episode or something?
1: Oh, the, the Array? I, I yeah. don't think so. Okay. Because I did a quick search because I was thinking, this reminds me of the one that was in Generation. So I was thinking, oh, is it the same one that was in Generation? So I did a little search, and uh, no, it's not. Um, all the, the things that came up when I did a search on uh, Matoreles, however you're supposed to say it, Array, came up with this uh, comic book.
0: Oh really, okay.
1: And I tried to find out what the array was called or space station what the heck, what the heck ever, ever it was in generations. But I had a tough time finding the name of that thing. And I think I just probably should have just watched the video again.
0: But <laughs> whatever. You uh, still have it on VHS?
1: <laughs> no. No. Well, actually, no. No not VHS. No. Uh, I think it's I think Blu-ray. It's Blu-ray. You have it on VHS. What did you record it off of the, off of like TV when it played or something?
0: Nah, VHS was still around when when this came out.
1: What generations came out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I hope we were solidly on a DVD footing by then, but who knows? No,
0: this was that was or ninety two, ninety three. There was no DVD back then. We didn't
1: have DVDs in ninety two. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay.
0: They didn't really take over until end of the end of the nineties, beginning okay. of the two thousands. Okay. Exactly.
1: So let's see. Okay, so we're going to talk about the other two, and I do say two because we have the Spock thing. Yeah. And then we have a little um, ash can at the end.
0: Oh, I didn't read that one. Oh, okay. The first couple pages of Hive. Yes. Which looks very interesting, but. Yeah, we need to read that one too.
1: Yeah, I'm up for it. Okay, that's uh, that's oh, that's it for this first portion.
0: All right, so let's go with the uh, search for Spock. Perfect. Which is not what it's called. They call it uh, what do they call it?
1: Uh, ripe for plunder.
0: Right for plunder. Ripe. Part four. As All right, so do it.
1: Ripe as in peach. Look, yeah, a peach.
0: There you go. Not right as in correct. There you go. All right, so this uh, this is the story of Data looking for the exiled Emperor Spock. Um, so it picks up with him actually talking to Emperor Spock. And Spock then gives him a very long telling of what happened to the Prime Kirk when he came over and filled Spock's brain up with uh, how the Empire could be more like the Federation and then how Spock tried to implement that foundation. And it would have worked. Except for the unexpected timing of the Cardassian-Klingon alliance. So after several pages of this conversation, Data has finally had enough of his history lesson. And he threatens Spock to give him the power to transport over to the Soft Prime universe to plunder its goods. Uh, Little does the android know that Spock's followers, who seem to all be Tellarites, have gathered into the corner and they're ready to pounce. To be concluded.
1: Well, isn't Emperor Spock, a very good host, offering data, seat, and everything.
0: Yeah, and some tea and... (laughs) Some crumpets. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's a nice guy. He's he's a very nice guy. Even though this killer android came in and plowed through all of his uh, guards, obviously. Or else they would have never let him go
0: in. Not all of them. Some of them are still sitting in the corner.
1: Yeah, so... Okay, right.
0: Let me see. Um...
1: Yeah, those tellarites are um, – so why do they all have knives? I mean they've all got knives. Nobody's got a gun. I don't know.
0: Spock doesn't believe in guns. <laughs>
1: is that the explanation?
0: That's the one I just made up.
1: Okay. Well, my explanation is energy weapons would come up on scans, and they don't want that to happen. They don't want the location to be discovered. So maybe that's why they don't have uh, energy weapons. And they yeah, use uh, candles or uh, genie lamps filled with oil. <laughs> Are you okay, Donovan?
0: It was. Are you okay? It sounds you like know. you just
1: did a pratfall.
0: Uh the headset fell off my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's no problem.
1: Okay, so you know they got the genie oil lamp that's lighting uh, Spock's room and stuff. So anyway, that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it.
0: You know that makes more sense than mine. Well, okay, so even if you had,
1: let's say, one energy weapon in a locker somewhere, that's you know it's turned off. Anyway, we'll we'll talk more about the next one. I'm kind and of and lead lined and all I'm, that. I'm, stuff. I'm jumping hey. my gun. Yeah, lead lined, turned off. I mean, wouldn't that make sense to have something like that? Anyway.
0: You speak the truth, Ken. I speak the
1: truth. And isn't that interesting they were all Tellarites? I mean, why did they make that decision?
0: Because they're cute. (laughs) They're cute and cuddly. Everybody Uh, always uh, wanted a Tellarite plush doll. That was always like the first thing.
1: That must be a joke.
0: And the second was a a Tribble, but everybody wanted a plush Tellarite.
1: Oh, okay. Damn, I, I missed all these
0: things. You know, with the Star Trek deviations, I really wish they would have done a story of the the three little Tellarites and basically done no. the story of <laughs> the three little pigs. Oh. <laughs> but with three Tellarite brothers and, and a Klingon coming to blow down their house. Oh, that would have been so funny.
1: You know, I'm not sure, but I think you're being specious. <laughs>
0: yeah, a little bit, but that would have been a it. <laughs> Uh, sorry.
1: Well, luckily they look a little, a little less pig-like in the uh, in the reworking post-aws. True, but still. Okay, that's all I have to say about that one. I- I'm looking forward to seeing how data is able to wring the information out of Spock.
0: Yeah, I was really disappointed in this issue because Spock doesn't really tell you anything you, the reader, don't already know. Right. So it's kind of like it was. What four pages? Three pages, and yeah. most of it was just Spock telling you what the reader already knows because we've seen exactly Deep Space Nine and all that stuff. Right. I mean, I guess Data needed to find out, but I don't know. They spent a lot of the whole. This whole issue was just him explaining what we knew from Deep Space Nine. Right.
1: Uh, true, <clears throat> but maybe that'll that background will be important as Data has to figure stuff out. Who knows?
0: I guess. I guess we'll find
1: out. Uh, that or else maybe after tea, Spock uh, says, okay, well, here's how it works. Because you seem like a nice android. Yeah. But I guess we'll find out the next issue. I guess we'll find out.
0: Okay. So do you want to talk about the Hive?
1: Yeah. I want to talk about the Hive. So that looks like an interesting one.
0: Yeah. Written so, by Brandon Braga.
1: Exactly. The man behind the worst Voyager episode ever.
0: And some of the best.
1: And some of the best, and also who is a producer on The Orville now.
0: So you read it? I haven't read it yet. So it looks like Bosch is in it?
1: Yeah. So there's a little – The int- it starts out with Lacutus. And the bottom line about this thing is by the end of it, I'm not sure if it's an alternate dimension or – if it's a possible uh, you know, a parallel universe kind of thing it's talking about, because there's Lacutus; He's in charge of things. Sure. Um, and th- he says right there at the beginning, it's the twenty uh, 29th, 29th century? Wow. Uh, so it's the future, yeah. Yeah, so it's the future, and the Federation fell, and there's all kinds of Borg cubes and, and spheres and whatever hanging around in our quadrant of the galaxy. And Lacutus is floating around on his chair – his uh, Thanos chair. He's in charge of everything. And I do like the uh, staff he's got with that Borg symbol on the top of it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so at first I was like reading through all this as Picard is floating around on his chair. And then later he's floating around all by himself uh, without the chair. So it's like Handy being the Borg king. And then he goes to a part of his command cube and there's a, somebody sitting in a chair who says, greetings, captain. Greetings. Okay. Well, who would know him as Captain Picard? He's Locutus. So it looks like a a man's outline, but you can't tell anything because it's a black silhouette. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back in time. And yes, there's Vash. So I am theorizing the part with Picard and Vash, who are on some kind of an archaeological dig kind of thing. I figure that is post-nemesis.
0: Yeah, I it guess. seems to be post-nemesis, yeah.
1: Exactly. And so is Picard on a leave of absence, or is he in some kind of a partnership with Vash? Pretty good, because she was always a really attractive lady. So I think this is a really cool teaser to, to, to pique your interest in what's going on.
0: Well, if your interest is piqued, why don't we read uh, Hive next instead of the Mirror Universe stuff? Take a break
1: from Mirror Universe.
0: We can. We have it. it this came out in 2012, so okay, let's it's get been it. on the list of reading it.
1: Okay, I don't have it, so I'll have to go out and get it. But one last comment I want to make is where Picard is when they first show him in the in the part with Vash. Mm-hmm. There's a very interesting Easter Island kind of statue in
0: the
1: background it looks like Spock exactly it's an Easter Island Spock statue Oh that's coming hilarious. out of the ground
0: oh that's funny yeah so uh, he says he's on a Vulcan he's on a, a mission for the Vulcan ambassador on Rigel 3 okay and I guess they put a, a Spock statue there interesting interesting <laughs> oh that's hilarious
1: uh, yeah Anywho, all so, right,
0: yeah, great. So we got next week worked out. Great. So it did it it did its job. It it piqued your interest enough it to uh, have us start reading it. It did. Yeah, so it's post Nemesis, uh, post Voyager, post everything. So this would be one of the the later Star Trek stories before Countdown, if if you count Countdown.
1: Okay. Right. If you count Countdown, exactly. But shall we finish off Ripe for Plunder? I mean, not Ripe for Plunder, but Mirror. uh,
0: Through the Mirror? Through the Mirror. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay. So this is the last issue, issue number five, Ripe for Plunder. Published date, May 2018. Gosh. uh, Everybody's probably mostly The, the same. The art is different. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, Story A Art is by Deborah Carita. Story A Colors, J Photos, with an F. Story B art is J.K. Woodward. Okay, so that part's probably the same. Um, right. And then Greg Goldstein is the publisher. Okay, so that – so story A art is, is different. And they've been rotating different people doing story A art in these issues, so.
0: Well, you got to crank out four issues in one a week, so they just split it up between different people.
1: Yeah, well, and how – yeah. but so they, they can all been, work out on it at the same time. Okay, but they also probably could have worked on this far, you know – ahead of the actual releasing sure so who knows this is not an ongoing 100 issue um series okay so three covers cover a features prime universe dr crusher and wharf on the left side looking across to the mirror universe dr crusher and barclay on the right so now they're trying to they're starting to mix people up on the covers before it was always like Riker and parkard versus Riker and picard so they're mixing people up to get everybody in i think and of course there is no direct correlation with wharf in the evil universe or if there is we're just not seeing him enterprise d is firing phasers upwards between the two sets of people on a space and planetary backdrop and the cover is by jk woodward cover b features a crazed looking evil data it actually it's a pretty cool cover pinning down our Picard to the floor by the neck. And it looks like it may be on the bridge, but it's kind of hard to tell. And then uh, he's using his Borg right arm to choke Picard. Picard's right leg is pushing back against Data's chest, so his foot is on the chest, uh, which is really likely an ineffective defense move. The evil, murderous look on Data's face is delicious. And this cover is by Deborah Carita. The Retailer Incentive Cover A is just a cast photo from probably season three or four of TNG based on the uniforms with Patrick Stewart in the front and six more cast members arrayed behind him. The long hinted at conflict is finally at hand. Eight members of Evil Picard's crew facing off against nine members of Good Picard's crew on the Mortalis Array. Picard and his crew were clever enough to detect the evil Picard's incursions into the Prime Dimension, figured out the trap that was laid by their doppelgangers, and go on the offensive by beaming onto the Array Station, phasers drawn. After some chit-chat between the Picards, evil Picard orders Data to proceed with Array activation and tells his band of pirates to kill them all. Despite good Picard and his team having their phasers out and aimed, they start running down a hallway as evil Picard's team slowly pulls out their guns and starts to give chase. From good cover, Picard orders the rest of the team to lay down covering fire as Data races to a station terminal to find out what modifications their evil counterparts made to the station. Data overcomes evil data's encryption and discovers that a device has been rigged to the array that will turn it into an interdimensional transporter capable of transporting an entire ship, a ship named Enterprise-D. Armed with the information and a map of the station, Good-Picard and Riker head for an elevator that will take them to the device. Picard tells Riker to wait for Picard to take the single-person lift and then to follow. Riker objects, but eventually relents. Picard arrives at the device first, but evil Riker is there also and starts firing on Picard. Evil Picard arrives when he too begins shooting at good Picard, which between the two of them, they pin good Picard behind a control pylon. Unexpectedly, Good Riker finally comes out of the single-person lift shaft and fires at his evil self. With Evil Picard and Riker distracted with Good Riker, Picard fires on the device and destroys it. Evil Picard bellows that Good Picard is ruining everything and fires again at the ceiling support pylon, which finally collapses with all the phaser fire. Meanwhile, Below, on the next deck, where most of the combatants are, evil Data, with his Borg laser arm, is fighting with our Data directly. Our Data rips the Borg arm off his opposite number as the ceiling caves in. Through the ceiling hole, evil Riker falls through to a rough landing. Evil Picard orders Geordi to transport them all out, using a specially prepped tricorder. Geordi does so. As the evil next generation beams away, Good Picard runs up to the dematerializing Evil Picard, warning him, if they ever meet again, Evil Picard will regret it. Meanwhile, in a transporter room, Evil Barkley says, no one will miss him much, and he beams himself away. Having chased away the pirates, Good Picard and his team return to the flagship of the Federation and do a lot of talking. Data reports that he and Wesley are working on a way to block future transgressions or at least detecting them when they happen. But they have a long way to go before they have anything workable. He goes on to say that Wesley and he calculate the power required to transport so many personnel over and to prepare the trap for the Enterprise must have been massive. They are likely to be in no position to make another crossing to our dimension for some time to come, which should give them enough time to prepare. They conjecture about nature versus nurture. Picard makes the observation that whatever the case, if those looking-glass versions of themselves manage to insert themselves in our world, untold chaos and calamity will ensue. Picard asks Stata and Wesley to continue their efforts to find a way to block or detect them in the future. Meanwhile, crewman Barclay enters his quarters and is quickly knocked unconscious and tied to his bed. It is evil Barclay who changes into the correct uniform for this Enterprise. He says Lieutenant Reginald Barclay is under new management and laughs at his wimpy counterpart manically. To be continued in Terra Incognita.
0: So that's the next miniseries. There you Terra go. Incognita
1: cool i i really am enjoying how they're really milking this so rather than having an ongoing spanning years monthly generation uh, of issues they've got uh, it broken up into independent miniseries that just lead one off the other right that's pretty good it gives them more flexibility as to when they actually release them they release them when they're ready not just because oh it's 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 November, we gotta pump it out
0: right exactly, right right but uh, so do you think that the barclay that's in Voyager and all that stuff is has been this barclay the whole time <laughs>
1: what a what a wacky theory i i had not i had <sighs> not considered that
0: right. I was just thinking that if you're going to take over somebody's life like this, why tie him to your bed? Why not kill him?
1: Well, It it, it, sounds
0: horrible, but uh, he is a murderer. I mean he's murdered in the other universe.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. But really, what's his objective? I mean is it the long-term objective of completely taking over Reg, our wimpy broccoli? Or is it something else? I mean is it more of a tactical thing? where maybe somehow his presence is going to help when evil Picard comes back into it.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of getting the feeling that he's left Picard. Because he even says, nobody's going to miss me, so I don't think he's on a mission for Picard.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. But I'm just kind of wondering if that's what it's going to end up being in the end. But really, if he's truly thinking, oh, it's a personal thing, I can I can do great things in this wimpy or per, uh, perceiving it as a wimpy dimension i can be a wolf in the fold a Taw's reference by the way and you know do great things i don't know what he thinks he's, he's going to gain out of this i right. i don't i don't understand what he thinks he's going to gain out of this if it wasn't something for picard i mean does he really think he's going to do that much better in this universe
0: well they all think that this universe is just soft and weak and they can just take it over I mean that's Data's plan. That was Picard's plan. So now that he's there, he's like, I'll just be the – I'll be the best Barclay this universe has ever seen.
1: Well, I don't know. I I don't think evil Picard thinks he's going to take over uh, our prime No,
0: no. They didn't think they were going to take over, but they think of this universe as being pushovers.
1: Exactly. Definitely. No two ways about it. But what does Picard do? He's going to grab materials that he needs. He's going to grab ships that he needs, but he's not gonna take over anything.
0: No, right, so right. So
1: what does Reg think I mean, does Reg really think he's gonna be able to become the captain or something? I mean you don't you don't do it through murder <laughs> in our universe.
0: I don't know. I think he just thinks that he's more competent than the other one and... Well,
1: that and that and that may be. But he's gonna show himself pretty quickly that uh he is not Broccoli. Right. Of all the people that are really different between the universes, good lord! I mean, the evil Reg is evil, competent, and exceedingly confident, and that is very different from our Reginald Barkley.
0: But he doesn't have a goatee, so how do we know he's really evil?
1: <laughs> good point. Good point. Well, yeah, but from his behavior, obviously. I mean, right. uh, Barkley does not does not ram crewmen up against a wall in a turbo lift.
0: Mm -hmm. so what if he ends up staying in this universe and then there's two barclays one goes by the name of barclay (laughs) and the other one goes by the name of like murtok or something
1: Uh, martoc murtok yeah uh uh, or thomas Mm, i don't think that's gonna happen you don't think so i don't think so
0: what was his gimmick on the a-team was he he was he was a crazy guy oh okay
1: oh murdoch that oh that was a that was an a-team reference
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I didn't get that. Okay.
0: Was he a master of disguise or something, or he was just crazy? I never watched. Okay, I never watched it. He was a crazy guy.
1: Um. So he he was definitely strong on the comic relief, and he was always doing crazy things. And did he have a particular talent? I don't remember. Um. Mm. I don't think he was a master of disguise,
0: though. Okay. I never watched it. I don't know. Yeah, well. I watched it a, a few times as a kid just because Mr. T was popular. <laughs> and then I, I realized, oh, this is not the Mr. T cartoon.
1: Pass. <laughs> I used to watch it at first because – well, it looked like it was an interesting action thing. But uh, because uh, Starbuck was on it so from, from Battlestar uh-huh. Galactica, he he was face. So that's what got me into it. And also I like George Papard. Uh, he was Banachek, and he was in a b- whole bunch of movies. So, from those two, that's what got me into it. Although it was probably more Starbuck than anything else. Uh, Dirk Benedict, I think. Oh that's yeah. the Actor's name. Yeah, that's his name. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, Barkley, the guy that plays Barkley, I don't know his name. Um, I mean, he was good. He 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 was one of the. I, I never saw him before, but he was really entertaining. <laughs> he was a funny guy.
0: Hmm. Did you watch the movie? Was it any good?
1: Oh, my sons love that movie. They just ate that movie up, so I got to see it a lot. Um, it was okay. it was yeah, it was okay I, I they don't have was,
0: They don't have cameos or anything from the originals, do they?
1: Um I don't remember any cameos. uh George for mm-hmm. is dead, so definitely not him. I thought Liam Neeson getting Liam Neeson to do it that was interesting. The guy they they had doing uh, Mr. T, I mean, he he doesn't have near the charisma of uh, of Mr. T. I Mm. mean, Mr. T was a presence on that TV show, and the guy they had doing it. eh. And then uh, we we really need to get back to this issue. Um, (laughs) Yeah, all right. It it was good. It It was it was action packed. It was it had a good budget. But
0: anyway. Alright, so uh back to this issue. Um a lot of fighting. A lot of hiding behind quarters and shooting at the other person. Like I said in
1: the synopsis, they completely had the drop on them. They didn't have any guns out. Now now Data's arm is a gun, so I guess that was out. But in one issue they've got the drop on them. In the next issue our folks are running like a bunch of cowards. Right. And how did that transition happen? Just because evil Picard said, Kill them all I mean, was it with the was it the loudness of his voice
0: that made right. them go, Oh
1: oh I guess we better get out of here?
0: <laughs> in the last issue they ended up and they're literally like maybe a foot away from each other. Yeah. And then in this one, it seems like only the Picards are standing close to each other and everybody else is pretty far back and yeah. obviously able to shoot. And pull their weapons out and shoot. And it's not like they have phaser – hand phasers. The, the, the mirror guys pull out phaser rifles, which they did not have last issue in their hands.
1: No, they did not. You're right, except for Picard.
0: So where do they Picard? pull them out of?
1: Out of an orifice, I guess. Um, Man. It, it, uncomfortable, but I guess it worked. Yes, completely. I agree. So that was – that transition, which really had to happen. I mean otherwise sure. it would have been the, – the story would have been over. <laughs> so I understand why they did it, but that particular transition kind of – that really bugged me. Mm-hmm. It took me out of it. I mean there's a certain believability you you prefer to have in your comic books, and I know this is – I'm talking about comic books here. But um, that really kind of bugged me.
0: And what got me is that – and I didn't realize this when I read the first issue, um, the fourth – issue number four, the – The little array of balls, things, whatever that's supposed to be. Right. So Evil Picard and them are standing right underneath it in one issue. And then in this issue, our Picard has to take an elevator up to it and all that other stuff Mm. to get get Mm -hmm. to it to shoot it. Yep. Good point. I I hadn't thought about that. Good point, though. So anyways, so all he has to do is shoot it and it takes down the whole station.
1: Well, it takes out its ability to transport.
0: Right. But it's like sucking people out and stuff too, right? Oh, it was. Yeah, doesn't a few people get sucked out at one point? Let me go back to that. Oh, Uh, so it breached breached an outer? I guess so. uh, Wall? Somebody does. Yeah, I think it's when Picard shoots that thing and it explodes, and then the whole station's shaking, and then you turn the page... Data's fighting Data, and then in the next issue, people are getting sucked out through a hole in the ship while everybody else is just standing around watching. Or no, no, they're falling down. Never they're mind. They're falling no, down. No, yeah. no, so, no, no, You're right. Yeah.
1: So because of all of the firing on that support pylon, yeah, uh, that evil Riker and Picard, it caused the floor to collapse, which is the ceiling where everybody else was.
0: Right. That – Evil Riker fell through.
1: Exactly. And then Evil Picard jumped down. Is that right? No, they trans... He must have jumped down because they were all together yeah, when Yeah, he, he jumps down,
0: I guess. I don't know. Yeah, He's they, down there.
1: They didn't show it, but he must have done that.
0: And then they just all beam away. Yeah. yeah. In one shot.
1: Now, I just want to point out something that is... I was not expecting, but Evil Picard has a a hand phaser and the first time I'm able to actually see it decently, it looks a lot like a wrath of Khan phaser. So there's a panel on what page is it? Uh, Page 11, right? Upper right hand panel. And uh, Riker is smiling and shooting his rifle and and Picard is raising his hand he's got a a hand phaser in it and it looks a lot like a Wrath of Khan phaser it's like hey what's that doing there
0: um yeah you can see it in the bottom one when when fake Riker gets shot too
1: yeah but that doesn't look but in that photo it doesn't look like a Wrath of Khan phaser it looks too long for that
0: right so
1: anyway uh so they they got some kind of hand phasers which is a bit different from the Prime Universe phasers um, but still um yeah okay so i'm in uh, i'm on page 13 top of page 13 it looks like maybe um wesley wesley is getting what? knocked back or something and he is holding on okay so from that angle he's he has a hand phaser probably the same kind of thing that that picard had uh, right Eagle picard and that is definitely not a uh a rathocon phaser okay
0: so you notice that uh, Wesley has the spiky hair again. Yes, he does. Again. So it goes from issue to issue. He has normal Wesley hair, spiky hair, the next issue, normal hair again.
1: Yeah, and, and is that because of the uh, the artist? Yeah, I'm sure. Artists.
0: Yeah. So Riker does get hit with a phaser from the other Riker, so yeah. Mirror yeah. Riker yeah. gets shot and yes. then still runs away.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So they don't shoot him again while he's hitting down, or does he not even fall down? He just like he doesn't takes it and keeps running. Yeah, and in
1: and in the the panel just before it, where he shot, he shot right in the back of the neck, or maybe the shoulder. Right, it hurts. So he's hit. Now it could have been on heavy stun. I mean, why wouldn't you have it on heavy stun? But yeah, the absolute next panel, Evil Riker is is, is sprinting. To get away. Yeah,
0: and yeah. he's dodging both phaser fire from Riker again and Picard. Exactly.
1: So, so he takes know. a
0: hit and then he's still able to dodge two different blasts at the same yeah. time. Yep. The dude is a monster.
1: <laughs> Another example of where during this little scuffle they do something that makes no sense.
0: Yeah. Well, they had to get away because we've got to have more of these stories. Exactly. All right. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to the next one. I like it. I like this uh, story. The Tiptons have crafted a great crossover. Mm-hmm. And they just um, keep, I like it. They keep cranking it out. They could be doing this for a while if they
1: wanted. I, I wonder how far they're expecting to take this. Right. I mean I guess they could take it as far as they want to until it starts becoming old hat. As long as, we, as long as we keep buying it, they're going to keep doing it. I think so, and why not? This is new. The whole idea of the next-gen crew, uh, a serious, well-written mirror universe treatment is pretty cool. But eventually this is going to become old hat. So sure. So we'll see if they can keep making it fresh.
0: For two more miniseries at least.
1: Exactly. Okay. I, I loved seeing how our data ripped Evil Data's Borg arm off. Yeah, it's pretty satisfying. But that was good. I like that. And now he's going to be one-armed, so he's going to be even less effective in the future, the rest of the fight, if the fight kept going, which it didn't. Now they just get beamed away right after. Right. Should we talk about, right? oh, I should, guess I should do right for plunder. Yep. Okay, so right for plunder, chapter five. The frightful-looking evil Data is in a room with the very old Emperor Spock, who is seated at a table. Data says, you will give me what I want. The Emperor merely says, Will I? Data reaches across the table and lifts Spock into the air like a rag doll. Data says he does not want to kill Spock, but he has no problem with it either. The Tellarite guards, apparently recovered from Data's initial attack, under the room with knives in hand, enter telling Data to put the Emperor down. A fight ensues that we don't see. We just hear it. Not long later, Data emerges from the building, covered in red blood. He is carrying red, gold, and blue-colored Data storage cards in his left hand. He is back in the captain's yacht, speeding back to the Enterprise, when he contacts Evil Picard. Data is playing back the Data cards and reports his assessment that if they can unlock the secrets held in the cards, they will have access to uncounted worlds ripe for plunder. The end. That's the name
0: of the series. That's it the is. name of the story.
1: It is. Oh. <laughs> it's the last thing anybody says in it. Pretty cool.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: Okay, so I, I like how it ends. The abilities of Data, the extreme durability and extreme strength of him means he's basically like a terminator and he can just rip people apart if he really wants to and it's looking like the tellarites they fought to the death in protecting emperor spock which is pretty cool the only thing is i wonder if you can see any i couldn't see any green blood so i'm wondering is spock dead also
0: i'm assuming so
1: probably but wouldn't it be cool if there was like a spot of of, of green blood somewhere because it's all red right or at least it appears to be all red
0: yeah he has it all over his shirt and pants and hands. exactly right
1: anyway but they don't they don't tell you for sure so they leave it to your imagination and uh, right they, they show the door into the stone building that's set into the mountain and all they have is really cool sound effects crunch wham, a lot of crunches crunch thud crunch Yucky, yucky.
0: Yeah. So what were you saying in the last issue about a phaser being wrapped up in something and okay. hidden away?
1: Eight Tellarites rushing the room? And they uh-huh. all have knives. It's like, oh my god, these guys well, are Well, two
0: of them have phasers, it looks like. Oh, do like, they? Yeah. Where? Okay. Um, when, oh, well, in the right. second page.
1: Oh, you're right. It looks like he's got a Klingon phaser. Right, a or disruptor. disruptor. Yeah. Well, why the hell didn't they use it?
0: Because It's da- too fast. Uh,
1: data is not impervious to phaser fire at all. Hmm. Anyway, okay.
0: When you shoot him, does he not blink?
1: I'm not sure about blinking, but he will not bleed. But you can cleave off parts of his robotic body. Okay. Oh, you,
0: you don't remember that that uh, that line from the show? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, at one point he says, "If you, if you," Data says re- this. Yeah, he says, if you prick me, do I not blink instead of bleed? Get cool. it?
1: Cool. So which yeah, episode buddy. was that?
0: I think it was the, the – it might be the Naked Now one or the Naked Time one or whatever it was, but I don't know for sure.
1: Oh, so like first season.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's a good joke. It's a good joke.
1: Well, okay, so obviously it- – it's what is that, Shakespeare? Well anyway, so it's if you if you prick me, do I not bleed? Right. Okay. So I get that part of it. But the blank part I mean I know it can't be bleed,
0: but Right. Because when they take off his skin he he has those LEDs underneath his 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 skin that blink. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. I'm assuming that's what I always assume. So. Right, I right, right, right. I don't know, but now Data has the data cards here in this one, and and now we now we know how they got over. Well,
1: agreed. So he's got Taws data cards, old Taws data cards, and it's cool because you, I mean they even look like just pieces of wood that have blue, gold, and red paint on them. That's that's what that's what they look like. As in they this. should. If they it looked anything exactly. different, I'd be upset. <laughs> Exactly. So it ties you right back to the low-budget property masters of TOS. So data still has to figure out a lot of stuff in here, right? There's just data cards. So over all those years, Spock went ahead and did further research to figure out how it all worked. Or did he have enough information at the time that they sent Kirk & Company back? Right. Because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, this is not easy stuff, and it's not like you've got some interdimensional storm. Wasn't there some interdimensional storm or something going on? The, um, did The transporter thing? Yeah. That affected the transporter beam. So, and wasn't there like a window or something that had to be opened in the in TAS the thing? And it was, whatever it was, was, was rapidly collapsing. So, maybe I'm being just a little bit too fastidious here. But that's what happened then. So Data needs to take these cards, whatever they've got on them. The only thing we know that there's like some video and stuff. Okay, great. And from all this, he's going to figure out how to transport over without this phenomenon, I guess, that happened in the Taws era. And he's Mm going to figure all this out based on videotapes of Kirk and Scotty and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So hopefully there's more information on there
0: than just that. Well, I still think they're implying that – Spock's been transporting working on over. It? Yeah. Oh, Spock's been transporting over. Well, I, I oh, s I don't right. know Oh, you're right. That, that they were that he that's where he was getting the That's supplies how he got from. all
1: those supplies. Okay, you're right. So Spock has had all this time with information about what happened when they beamed back. So he's been working on it this whole time. And he's actually been using it to get supplies. Fascinating, you're right. So data really didn't have to figure out that much other than just if there was any encryption on those cards, to break the encryption. Right. Okay, that makes more sense. If Spock had been working on it for like 30 years or – well, no. Uh, What, 80 years? Something? Okay. Okay. And he was emperor
0: for a while, so he probably had a lot of resources to to do a lot of that investigation early on.
1: I'll buy that. Okay, so that's so, – uh, I think that's all I have to say about this one. I, I, I really enjoyed the uh, right for plunder bits.
0: Yeah, I did too, uh, except for that one that I had to do in the last issue because it just seemed like regurgitation of information we already knew.
1: True. Agreed.
0: <laughs> all right, shall we move on to our gold key issue?
1: Let's do that. So we're not going to talk about the ash can of Discovery se- secession?
0: Uh, no, I didn't read it because it's I just the first couple of pages of the, the, the issue.
1: Yeah, and really, all it's doing is um, just showing Lorca and uh, Michael in bed together. Eh.
0: Nice,
1: nice. Anyway,
0: yeah. and so okay. it's one hundred percent in the mirror universe. Yeah, yeah. This and looks... obviously, before the events of the TV show, because yeah. Lorca is not in the mirror. Lorca, he dies, right? So, well, uh, there's a there's
1: a first part. Where Lorca and she are together. So okay. that's probably a little bit further in the past before they switched. And then maybe, yeah, one year later, after the destruction of the... Okay, so it's, it takes part in two different time periods. Gotcha. Before and
0: after. Gotcha. Right.
1: There you go. Okay. All right. And that's another one that should be interesting to be reading.
0: Yeah, I want to read that one too. Wunderbar. Okay. Death of a Star... Yeah, a star a death star maybe? <laughs> it says death of a star. All right, so this issue came out May of 1975, issue number 30, Gold Key entitled Death of a Star, but death and star are huge in pink and of a is tiny little black font, so it definitely looks like death star. All right, so this issue is one of the first covers, if not the first cover, of the Gold Key that doesn't have the cool painted cover. So this one is kind of a crazy, uh, more comic booky art, or more pop art, really. Not even comic book, but it's like very psychedelic, like one of those old Blacklight posters. So it's kind of split into three different images. The first one that's kind of on the left, upper left, it shows Spock getting a mind meld from an old lady. Uh, then going clockwise, the next one shows uh, several crewmen falling toward a pyramid eye. And there's like a big pyramid eye in the middle of the page, too. And then uh, at the bottom picture, there is a, a picture of the Enterprise, and it's actually being attacked by one of these eyes. It's kind of like the all-seeing eye on the on the dollar bills and stuff, so it's, it's an eye inside of a pyramid. So the story starts with the Enterprise arriving at the ISIS solar system. And they're there just before the sun is about to go supernova. Sulu suddenly reports that there's now life signs on Isis 3. They talk at length about how this cannot be since the Federation team just recently scanned all the planets and there was no life. Eventually Kirk decides that they should go ahead and check it out in order to not risk humanoid life. Once they arrive at Isis 3 Kirk beams down with Horace Spock and Nurse Chapel. When they get to the surface, they find lots of vegetation but no humanoid life. Suddenly, they are attacked by lightning bolts from the sky and slapping fern leaves. In the end, they're all kind of herded together, and they find themselves at a large pyramid structure, and it also has a floating eyeball in front of it. Before they can blast their way through the door, the door just opens itself up by itself, and we hear a voice that welcomes them. They enter, and they find an old woman sitting on a throne. She calls them by name and says that her people had just left her. She claims that she is the son Isis herself, which Kirk thinks that makes her a warp for loony. His words, not mine. Kirk leaves Chapel with the old woman and they go to try to find the other life signs. Once they leave the pyramid, they are attacked by the surrounding forest again and they must return back into the pyramid. When they do so, they find Chapel is now knocked out due to some solar storms. They are unable to contact the Enterprise to get beamed away. On the Enterprise, Scotty is informed that the sun will now explode any minute now, not the 48 hours that they thought they originally had. Kirk and Spock explore more of the pyramid itself, falling and floating down a corridor to a basement area where they find computer banks that telepathically show them the history of the planet. Isis the Sun created the planets and star... Seeing that the planet was barren, Isis itself seeded the planet with a bunch of little eyeballs that then turned into these humanoid life forms that flourished and worshipped Isis. But eventually they died out, and now Isis is here on the planet by herself, and she's also the sun, which is about to explode. Kirk and Spock return to the old woman, and the old woman confirms that she is indeed Isis again. She tells Kirk that he came to the planet to watch her die, so he will stay on the planet in order to watch... Firsthand, When Spock tells her that he does not necessarily believe in superstition, she touches his head and shows him the truth. This all somehow changes her mind. So after the mind meld, she then teleports the crew back to the Enterprise. The Enterprise attempts to leave, but the sun goes supernova and they cannot outrun it. But somehow the Enterprise is able to ride through the storm of a supernova within what they call the eye of the storm. And remains pretty much unscathed. They all speculate that perhaps it was Isis herself that allowed them to survive. The end.
1: So does that actually mean that stars are living beings, Mr. Donovan?
0: It does, yes. And that the suns themselves are what populates the planets.
1: (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. But luckily we do not look like mud people. Or whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, our, why, our, a, we have two eyes.
1: Yeah. Our son was a little
0: more creative than ISIS was.
1: <laughs> Yeah. So these people that ISIS arose from the ground uh, look like like clumps of mud with a single eye.
0: Yeah. They're cyclops.
1: That, yeah. Uh,
0: they're cyclops, yet they don't seem to have an eye in there. It's just like – it's like a hollow It's like a socket. hole. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's yeah, good point. They're kind of weird looking. They're But they're looking. able to build – Pyramids and so, so I guess so
1: they must be able to see, yeah, or something.
0: Yeah, I don't know what why they went all in on this eye thing, the eye, the the all seeing eye or whatever. I don't know. So it's
1: Isis. Wasn't that a um, that was the Egyptian sun god? Is that right?
0: Yeah, something. I think. Some Egyptian.
1: Okay, so. and, and and that triangle, a pyramid triangle, whatever, with the eye in the middle of it. That was probably her symbol. Right. I guess. So they just went with the theme, I guess, when they made these, these mm-hmm. mud people and, uh, it went with the eye, but you're right. It, it look, does look more like a hole in the middle of the head than it does an eye. Right. Yeah. Cause there's really only one panel where you see their face. I think it's pretty much all. You just see their backs for most of the rest of it.
0: I hm. oh, well, Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird reading this because of Isis means something else now when you Oh, oh that. Right. I,
1: I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you're right. Oh, really? I w- no, yeah. I I was just thinking of the Egyptian sun god. Never once did you think of uh I, the Shazam I didn't.
0: character? Ah!
1: <laughs> you're so funny. Uh no. I definitely didn't think of that. And so <sighs> So ISIS must be more than just an Egyptian sun god if Islamic terrorists took on this name, or is it something completely – nothing to do with the Egyptian sun god?
0: Uh, I thought it was an acronym for something.
1: Maybe it's an acronym for something. Okay. Anyway, that's the third thing (laughs) Uh, that's tied into uh, – yeah. Yeah possibly tied into it I, I did not think of either one of those other two things i just really just, just focused
0: on the egyptian thing the egyptian connection right right so anyways yeah a lot a lot of emotional backstory it packed into that one word now that uh, maybe wasn't there back in 1970 when this <laughs> issue came out there you go
1: i think overall it's yet another relatively weak issue I guess there's a little bit of interest in the idea of suns actually being living beings, I guess.
0: Uh, I but that say, they, are you sure? Uh,
1: <laughs> but the idea that they can take physical form and they basically are God. <laughs> they they make living beings and things. Right. Um, the idea of the sun nurturing, that's fine. That's the energy on which life becomes. So I guess in a way it kind of makes sense. Because you can't – the best of my knowledge, you can't have life without some kind of uh, solar energy. Sure. So I guess I just found this to be kind of a
0: a bland meh goldie. Right. Yep. Overall. Yeah, things, things happen just because things have to happen. It's, yeah, but it doesn't – yeah,
1: like, like the idea that they multiple times tried to get out of the area, but then they were herded back in again or whatever. Right, it's By like slapping eh.
0: ferns and lightning exactly. bolts out of nowhere,
1: and phasers. Hey, our phasers don't work. It's
0: like, well, that that's weird. In that picture, Kirk and Ahura's phasers work just fine. It, I mean they they don't they don't hurt the trees, but Spock says, "Captain, nothing. Our phasers don't fire yet." In that panel, clearly, Kirk's and Ahura's phasers are blasting the tree; it's just not hurting it. Right. And then the next panel shows Kirk just throwing the phaser at the tree. Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is always effective. Right. I must say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember as a kid there was always a joke about the the George you no know, yeah, George Reeves Superman where he would get shot at and he would just stand there and then when the criminal threw threw the gun, he would he would dodge out of the gun. Oh he right, that's right.
1: The- that's fine. <laughs> Okay, so the bullets going at the speed of sound, whatever, they don't right. hurt you, but you're going to no. get out of the way of a, of a gun being thrown Right,
0: at exactly, yeah. That's funny. Now, I've watched a lot of Superman, and I don't know if that's necessarily a true thing. I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember a situation when that happened, but that was always something that uh, I always heard.
1: Yeah, it was so long ago that I watched the George Reeves uh, Superman, I, I could not say yes or no. I, one thing I'm wondering about this issue though, is, um, okay, so they included Chapel on the away team rather than Dr. McCoy. so mm-hmm. where was Dr. McCoy? I mean, was he off making some movies so he couldn't be in this issue?: yeah, I don't he's know not
0: issue at all, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's not in at all. and normally it's it's McCoy who would go on an away team mission like this, but instead they used Nurse Chapel. so you know, okay, bravo. Inclusion, you know, kind of breaking it up a little bit, you know, with, with more ladies on the on the away team, because they send a hurrah too. So either that's very enlightened or they just wanted more pretty faces in the uh, in the issue. I'm not sure which.
0: Right. Yep.
1: Or just to mix it up a little bit, maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. But I just thought it was odd.
0: Yeah, I guess they, they didn't want to leave they didn't think McCoy would stay with the, with the old lady while they went and tried to escape again? I don't know. Well,
1: would they, then Ahura could have stayed. I, mean.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I did not like this issue. No, no, neither did I. The only thing I really did like was the artwork of the Enterprise, uh, especially when the sun's the going Nova. Yeah. I thought that was pretty dynamic artwork for – I mean it still has the all-seeing eye kind of in there and shooting – rays and stuff at the enterprise but it just looks really cool
1: it does it looks like it's a toy um on an ocean being buffeted about but it's a miracle captain we're we're saved we're in some sort of space pocket
0: that's what Scotty says that's what he says i believe him i believe him it is funny. In the last panel, it still shows a sun out there, so <laughs> did they go to so another did, solar system?
1: Exactly. Exactly. That makes no sense. But <laughs> w- why should this make any
0: sense? Well, and why, why did the old lady – she literally says, I'm not going to let you go because you wanted to watch me die, so you're going to stay here and watch me die. And then Spock's like, but I don't believe you, even though he just, he just got the same telepathic vision that Kirk had of the past. So he's like, I don't believe that you're really Isis. And then she touches his forehead and. Right. And then he's able to convince her while she's showing him who she really is. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. It was like, we got to get him back on the ship. (laughs) Because I really liked it when she said that that line, you wanted to watch me die. So you'll stay here and watch me die. I thought that was that was brilliant. Yeah. And then they kind of ruined it with Spock just getting a mind meld and then she changes her mind.
1: However, they can watch her die from the Enterprise, from the safety of the Enterprise, uh, which really wasn't that safe unless she intervened too. So right. I agree with you. That was kind of like – like kind of a little bit of like a bone-chilling kind of thing. But really, there are two hers, right? There's the physical manifestation there on the planet or there's the sun, the, the star. Right, right. So they – um, is it double entendre? I don't know but the two meaning meaning multiple things right um so i uh they came to see the star die not at
0: old lady but right right which is why i like that part yeah yeah that's my Me favorite too. part of Me the too. the issue yeah and it's ruined two or three panels later <laughs> <laughs> and then again ruined because she supposedly
1: died but hey there's a still a sun in the, in the final panel i did not notice that that's a very good point
0: yeah Which, don't read too much into that that's just like we have to have a picture of space and so we got to throw a star in there
1: well but but oh but you uh, can have you can have i mean there, there's star there's other more distant stars in that panel because sure. you've got on the right hand side you've got the uh the black star field and right I, but the left you've got I mean, they put it in there because this whole issue was about this particular star. Right. And having it again in the final panel kind of makes sense. You know, it's like the 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 last scenes in a movie, most movies, they say, is really what the whole movie was about. That was the point of the whole movie. Uh, that's what they say. Hmm. And And this is the final panel of the issue – and really, a lot of this issue was about the star and their interaction with this unusual star, or maybe not that unusual. And uh, I guess that's why they put it in the final
0: panel, but whatever. Yeah, well, I would have liked it better if there was like a little gravestone instead of an actual full blazing star. Right. Just like an REP Isis star. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. So that's all I have to say about this one. Yep, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so next episode we'll do some hive.
1: Let's do that. How many issues are involved?
0: Uh let's see. Uh it is four issues. Oh, okay. So we'll do the first three?
1: Here's what I propose. Oh. We do the first two and we include one goal key. And then the next episode, we do the last two, and we include one gold key.
0: All right, Ken has spoken. We're uh, we're doing Hive one and two, followed by Gold Key thirty one next issue. That next sounds episode. good.
1: That sounds good. We got we got to keep our our gold key going.
0: Right, just do a little every once in a while, to, and then eventually all the medicine will be taken. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some people love those gold keys.
0: I, and I love them usually. I just didn't like this one.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like watching old Lost in Space episodes or you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When you saw it as a child, it was great. And then you look at it as an adult. It's like, they really didn't try that hard, did they?
0: <laughs>
1: so there you go. Whatever. But this this is all part of our charter. So we're doing it's it. It's true.
0: We're doing it. We're Got doing it, it baby. Thanks, buddy, for listening, and we'll be back next week with those issues.
1: Excellent. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star-t-comic-book-review at gmail.com.